coming up, Pacino seethes, Charlize grieves, and Keanu Reeves. Plus, Sin brings us Satan in the news. We play drinking with the devil, and you get what's coming to you on another drunk and unscripted segment of Ask the Goat. Pucker up, kiddies. It's time to kiss the goat. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. Sex. And I'm Cootie, and this is Kiss, Kiss the, goat. the Goat. Light a candle for the sinners, set the world on fire. This circle is closed, nothing is true, and everything is permissible. This is episode 26 of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. Please, if you are within the sound of my voice, take whatever you're drinking and pour just a tiny bit of it out on the ground for the patron saint of Kiss the Goat. And, and our homeboy, Mr. John Carradine. And this is John Carradine. The witches, they pray. I know the secret. Full moon, killing things. I'm going to take the brain of a lesbian and put it into the body of a man who works for the telephone company. Yes, but why? What good will this do anybody? It'll show those fools who call me mad. We're running a little late with this episode. We know, we know, sorry. But when we have reasons to celebrate around here, we do it to it. So July is Cootie's birthday month, and we kept that celebration going for days. And it's still going on. And, of course, Kiss the Goat is part of that celebration. It was X's bright idea to ask our listeners to choose two movies for me to watch for the show. And happy birthday to you. They did exactly that. Yay! <laughs> you know, I thought you people liked me. And now I don't even know what to think. I am totally confused. Oh, they still love you, Cootie. I mean, didn't they give you Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron to look at this time around? That was nice. True. Well, I do appreciate that. No, really, I do, but we're a long way from John Wick and Imperator Furiosa here. Well, darling, I'll tell you what, this is one of your birthday movies, so you certainly have your say. I might yell a little. That's fine. We'll get a couple of drinks and kind of ease into this one, okay? Okay, that sounds good. So, yeah, a couple of drinks, and when we come back, Sin will join us, and she'll be naked, and we'll do the news. Well... When have I ever said no to alcohol and nudity? We'll be back after a word from some of our fellow Legionnaires. Flesh Like Smoke is the toothsome new shapeshifter anthology from April Moon Books. 
Curated and edited by Brian M. Sammons with illustrations by Neil Baker, Flesh Like Smoke is a collection of 16 tales of visceral horror from today's most talented authors. Some of these tortured souls lash out against their cursed existence, while others relish the taste of animalistic power. Ranging from gut-wrenching terror to heart-rending pathos, Flesh Like Smoke will leave you salivating for more with every turn of the page. Flesh Like Smoke is available in paperback and ebook format from Amazon.com and AprilMoonBooks.com, as well as other online purveyors of fine literature. Hurry to sink your claws into a copy before the next full moon. And now it's time to visit Mr. Robertson's Neighborhood to find out what Reverend Pat has to say to us today. All right, now let's answer some questions about troubled people. Okay, this is Nanette who says, After we had a terrible argument several months ago, my husband got drunk and slept with my best friend. He said he was sorry, but my trust in him is shattered. Is it possible for that trust to be rebuilt? Well, Nanette, you've got a strange husband, if supposedly Christian. Stranger best friend. Well, I mean, he, he, he gets drunk and he goes out. But, hey... That's just, I hate to say one of those things, but uh, can you rebuild the trust? The answer, of course. He was just getting back at you. You'd hurt him. Whatever you said to him, you don't know what the, you didn't tell but him what you said. But that's pretty serious retaliation. Well, so I mean, it's serious, Terry. So it's, he's a man. So men get drunk and sleep around. That's just Oh, the, excuse me. <laughs> Nanette, you both need a counselor, a serious Christian counselor to help you with that. <laughs> well, you, know? you think it's so horrible, but it happens all the time. And so the but best with your thing, best Nanette, friend? who cares whether it was her worst enemy? I mean, the best friend wasn't a very good friend. You think? No, I really <laughs> yeah. think. But these things happen. And what she's got to do is forgive and get on with her life. Can I ever rebuild the trust? Well, of course you can. This was a one-time thing. Guys make mistakes. So do women. They make mistakes. They get hurt. They get angry. And they do something that they regret. So the best thing to do is to forgive and forget. You can't hold on to those things. What are you going to do? Say, well, I'll never forgive him. So you well, break no, him. I don't think you should never forgive him. But I, I think there needs to be some kind of a deep understanding that this was wholly inappropriate and will not happen again. You're so reasonable. Not really. <laughs> Not really at all. Obviously, you haven't been through the torments of life like some of us who've lived a little rougher than you yes. have. Maybe well, you've lived rougher than we yeah. have, and you're not even telling us about been it. Been through this torment. Bitch, what the fuck was what the fuck was that? Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. I gotta say, I love it when Pat says stuff that's so abhorrent that even his co-host can't believe it. <laughs> And guys get drunk and sleep around, and apparently that's cool. I just want to break in here and say that Pat Robertson ran for president in 1988 and did really well up until the multi-state primaries began. That's a scary thought, but it's true. So suck on that for just a minute. Yep. Nothing gets the media cranked up quite like a theocracy. And with that in mind, let's throw this over to our clothing-optional news correspondent, Cindy Sinfallon. It's time for Satan in the News.
sleeping with Satan. In June of 2015, the Times of Zambia, which I have delivered to my home in hell every Sunday, published an article about supernatural sex. According to columnist Charles Cacciacotti, quote, if you are sexually attracted to spirits or sexually aroused by images in mirrors, you are suffering from spectrophilia, a sexual attraction to ghosts or spirits, end quote. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm sexually attracted to the image of my mirror all the time. <laughs> spectrophilia? Is that what it's called? Yeah, spectrophilia. Like You're not it. familiar? Yeah, it's fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like this idiot is inventing this. This is actually, you know, a word that existed before he started slaughtering the English language here. Sexual or pornographic images on the screen of the cellular phone, smartphone, or iPad have excited many adventurers, but deceptively lured them into demonic spell, end quote. That's right. iPhones are short for incubus phone. <laughs> Quote, reality, I'm sorry? No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> Quote, reality is that many strangers are meeting exclusively on the internet and after an e-romance relationship have eventually met and had a sexual relationship. Many are sleeping with demons without knowing it, though some have had an idea but prefer not to care. End quote. E-harmony is short for evil harmony. Match.com is really oldscratch.com. Paranormal date is, well... Well, it's paranormal dates. Quote, many movies have depicted sex between human beings and spirits, which is now no longer fiction, but reality. Not only that, websites now exist which teach human beings how to attract demons for sex. End quote. That's right. Kiss it. Kiss the goats. <laughs> Demonsforsex.com. I could totally market that shit. <laughs> It may well exist, according to these people. <laughs> Kachikudi goes on to list and misspell the names of several celebrities who claim they have experienced spectrophilia. Furthermore, Kachikudi credits Kesha with singing Supernatural, a song actually performed by Katy Perry about a paranormal paramour. So what does all of this say about Christian Ming? <laughs> Let's catch a martyr. <laughs> Sorry, was that out of line? <laughs> have you met us? <laughs> Do we have lines? What are these lines you speak of? The only lines we have are claw marks. The ill-informed columnist continues with his article to allude that homosexuality and transgenderism are manifestations of witchcraft and spirit possession. Oh, and that succubi steal the semen from men, give it to incubi, who in turn impregnate women with demonic children. Yay! Like Robin Hood. <laughs> Quote, incubus and succubus are demons falling under the principality Lilith. The New American Standard Bible presents Isaiah 34:14 as follows. The desert creatures will meet with the wolves. The hairy goat also will cry to his kind. Yes, Lilith will settle there and will find herself resting place. Oh. End quotes. 
That's poetic. I know, isn't it? I like that. (laughs) Quote, Lilith is a night monster or screech owl. Lilith is sometimes depicted as a winged woman with an owl to her left and right, which are incubus and succubus. End quotes. Yep. Every time you give a hoot and don't pollute, you are actually doing it with the demon. (laughs) Oh, Quote, the walls, in parentheses, restraints of the soul are demolished by abuse of mind-altering drugs, pornography, sex orgies, in parentheses, group sex, and sexual immorality in general, witchcraft, murder, and other high-impact sins, end quotes. And I do absolutely love the way he had to define sex orgies as group sex (laughs) because he knows his targeted readers are too stupid to understand. I am so going to hell. (laughs) I know it's short, guys. (laughs) What are low impact sins? Like water aerobics? (laughs) Co-ed water aerobics. These are the desert creatures outlined in Isaiah thirty-four fourteen, which come to mate with their own kind, residing in the possessed person, and cause spectrophilia encounters, end quotes. By desert creatures, is he talking about me and others <laughs> living in the blasted land? Yes. <laughs> you and the spirit of John Carradine just roaming around in the desert. <laughs> Running with wolves and hairy goats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, one urge that is being obeyed far and wide is the desire to undress and post the photo of the nude self before the world. This is a welcome sign to the desert creatures. End quote. Yeah, he's talking about me. <laughs> yeah. Quote, if you have suffered demonic sex... The only means for you to be set free from that is the power of Jesus Christ. He came to set the captives free. He came to destroy the work of Satan in people's lives. End quote. So, if you've had supernatural sex, only the jizz of Jesus can save you. Is Jesus like Plan B, the morning after pill? Hallelujah. <laughs> the columnist then completely derails his crazy train by attacking mud. Yes, mud. As in wet dirt. Mud. (sighs) What his writing lacks in cohesiveness and segue skills, he more than makes up for an irrational hatred for damp earth. I can't even fathom how this relates to spectrophilia with phantoms. But here we go. Quotes. About 2,000 kilometers south of Seoul in South Korea, millions of people have celebrated the Bioring Mud Festival since 1998. By 2007, the visitors numbered 2.2 million, celebrating mud. Though the idea was to promote awareness of the minerals and cosmetic value of mud, many school children developed rashes after playing there in 2009. In the UK, there has been 10 Glastonbury Music Festivals since 1999. Three, held in 2005, 2007, and 2011, have been celebrated mud and rain events. These events are spiritual indicators of the mud of filth that mankind so deeply cherishes. End quote. What the muddy fuck? 
So seriously, <laughs> what the hell does that have to do with anything? So every time you go on a mud run, you're running with the devil. I think the columnist thoughts and spectrophilia got stuck in the mud. What the fuck is going on in this story, Stan? <laughs> That's why I had to quote it so much because it's not like I was just like having, I don't know, a seizure and writing this. <laughs> but <laughs> This is like listening to somebody talk acrostics. <laughs> But that's why I had to use so much of the story because it's not like I was just going on these these <laughs> tandems. Like well, nobody's accusing you of that. But my God, this is sheer Nigerian madness. But yeah, so spectrophilia, <laughs> spectrophilia, and mud. <laughs> Satanic September. On a recent episode of Kiss the Goat, I reported a sodomy-seeking asteroid will pound our asses, according to an Irishman's holy prophet, YouTube, because his God hates equality, or something. Well, it seems others are taking the holy word of the prophet, YouTube, and also predicting the end times in September. Whereas another prophet, the Matrix, has been determined to be a false prophet by those who believed it predicted the apocalypse, this time... They're sure they've got it right. Not only does the prophet YouTube predict that Satan will reign over the world starting in September, but believers are desperately seeking affirmation of the prophet YouTube. Gullible Googlers have revealed more revelations and other equally credible biblical end-time prophets, such as the movies Little Shop of Horror and Pixels, and TV shows such as Third Rock from the Sun and Sleepy Hollow. The prophet YouTube will not lead these flock and followers astray. Satan will host a party to end all parties in September. Hail Satan. <laughs> Aren't they a little behind? You just rattled off names of shows that like from like six years ago, seven years ago. No, fucking 30 years ago. <laughs> Because Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> came out in 86, and it was based on the movie that came out in the 50s. Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, she said Third Rock from the Sun, which, what? what? <laughs> I mean, really, what? Apparently, there's segments in all of these movies and shows where they reference the end of the world in a September. <laughs> I reference the end of the world while I'm fucking. I don't need... <laughs> He does. True story. <laughs> I don't need pop culture to do this for me. You sound like a total unbeliever, X. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm sorry if I come off that way, but yeah, because this asteroid is bullshit. <laughs> Any asteroid that comes to Earth, I'm pretty sure Bruce Willis is just going to push Ben Affleck out of the way, and he's going to save us all. So There you go. Thanks, Bruce Willis, Dad. That's right. That's right. Thanks, Bruce Willis, Dad. You take care of her, AJ. (laughs) Tapes of the Not Hot Priest. If you know me, you might know I have something of a priest fetish. So naturally, I'm drawn to horror films about demonic possession. Acolytes might flock to see a new movie that opens right about now in the U.S. Director Mark Neveldine brings to us a Pantelion Films production in the form of The Vatican Tapes. 
Although some found footage style is used in the film, it is not exclusively a found footage genre film. Pantelion Films describes the Vatican tapes as, quote, a classic possession tale with an apocalyptic turn, end quote. Actor Michael Peña plays the priest, Father Lozano, who is not hot, trying to save the soul of Angela Holmes, played by Kathleen Robertson. If his priestly powers don't evict the evil, the world is doomed. Dogs and cats living together or something. <laughs> Mass hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> Off with his head. Love horror. Love head. Well, someone has combined the two by running off with the famed director's head. A large forest cemetery in Germany was the final resting place of legendary director F.W. Murnau. Murnau was best known for directing the oldest known vampire film in the world, Nosferatu. Murnau lived until 1931. His final resting place seemed peaceful enough for many years until his tomb became troubled by the living in recent decades. First disturbed in the 1970s, the crypt has been compromised twice already this year. In July of 2015, someone was off with his head. Because a candle was left behind, the natural conclusion was that Satanists taking selfies absconded with the skull. Seems like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Seems like a stretch to me, but I'm not a candle detective. (laughs) I wonder if the suspected Satanists used a selfie stick, or should I say a selfie stake? <laughs> so they took off the dude's head. Yeah, like you've never done that. <laughs> Not that has been proven. <laughs> it seems Murnau's skull is getting a bit more mileage than the rest of his decapitated corpse. If found, I hope his creep keepers do more to prevent him from losing his head again. Murnau might be eternally grateful. You might even say he'd be the Grateful Dead. <laughs> God damn, Sam. My jokes, I almost said my jerks keep getting worse. My jokes keep getting worse. (laughs) The more you hang out with us, it's bound to happen. It's okay. I understand this. Like, we don't know bad puns. Yeah, no, not us. Never. Son of Satan. An ominous new series is coming to A&E. The series Damien is selling its soul to us as a sequel to the original Omen film. Damien is played by actor Bradley James. In an atmosphere of conspiracy, Damien finds himself pursued by those who want to utilize his supernatural powers and those who want to annihilate him from the face of the earth. Damien is welcomed into his role as the son of Satan by a woman who says to him, quote, The past is like a noose around our necks, wouldn't you say? It's a whole new world. The seal's broken. The trumpet blown. You have so much to offer. Your father would have been so proud. I saw the trailer. It sucks. When the seal is broken around here, it usually means potty breaks every two. That's what I was thinking. The son of Satan, you think he'd be hot, like irresistible to both men and women alike. See, and here's and here's the thing, and here's why I'm angry about this entire show going on. Because this either has to pick up right after Omen 2. No. But see, if it does, then it completely ignores the fact that Omen 3 happened. They are completely ignoring Omen 2 and 3. They have admitted and that. And that is... Bullshit! 
You can ignore <laughs> Omen 4 because, Jesus, everyone should ignore Omen 4. But you can't ignore Damien Omen 2 and the Final Conflict because that's the whole story. And they're going to end it like Final Conflict because they have to. And this is just, this is a crock. They're really going to work hard to impress me because I'm an old school Omen guy from way back. I think they're going to have to end it by cancellation. Because yeah. I don't think they're going to actually go through with the entire thing. But no, Maybe they're, he'll they're make Constantine only... and Hannibal on his way down. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing funny about that story. Sorry, and it sounds like it's going to suck. Yeah, sorry. I'm just a huge skeptic about that. <laughs> Diabolical Detroit's. The Satanic Temple originally proposed their beautiful Baphomet statue to contrast the unconstitutional display of the Biblical Ten Commandments on the Oklahoma Capitol's ground. When the state was put in its rightful place by constitutional law, the unlawful Christian monument was removed and the Satanic Temple no longer needed to prove their points. They found other uses for their bronze Baphomet. The goat-headed god is to be revealed in Detroit also known as Hell on Earth. With rampant crime and unemployment, why not Detroit? However, Christians are insisting that the Satanic Temple needs to obtain approval from Christians before placing the statue on private property. Such good Christians that they are, they are actually threatening the Satanic Temple with violence and burning. The hypocrisy is lost on the oppressors as they continue to believe that freedom of religion only applies to their religion. Because of the ongoing threats by the good Christians on the Satanic Temple, the long-awaited unveiling of the statue needs to be cloaked in secrecy. Only upon purchasing tickets to the unveiling ceremony will attendees be privy to the exact location of the event in Detroit proper. Wherever it is revealed, it should be a sight to behold. At eight and a half feet high, the bronze Baphomet will sit on a throne in the classic one hand up and one hand down position. The Sabbatic goat represents the sum total of the universe, the all-inclusive masculine and feminine, good and evil, etc. Peering up at the goat-headed god are two children of diverse ethnicity, again incorporating the balance symbolic of Baphomet. The Satanic Temple is very active in defending freedom of religion, there are talks of moving the statue wherever it needs to be. But in the United States, with the swell of anti-intellectualism and pro-Christianity oppressive politics, we need defenders of our freedom of religion by those bold enough to oppose the oppressive majority. The irony is that our salvation may come in the form of those who defend our freedom with a satirical, satanic statue. I want it relocated to my backyard. Can we, can we arrange that? I would love to see it in person. Holy shit. Can you imagine us posing with it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be like going to Mecca. Where, right? <laughs> the pilgrimage is in order wherever it lands. Oh. KTG will be there with a picture with the Baphomet. That's oh, my God. We should be wearing the shirts. Baphomet is my co-pilot. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I've made shirts. Oh. We have... We have bumper stickers. We have stuff for baby size, right? So we could put it on the children. We do have G is for goat baby. Yes, give it to the children. No, no, like put it on the children in the statue. <laughs> There's the two yeah. children there. For it, perfect. So that was in my story. Oh, was that it? I'm sorry, that was only six. <laughs> <laughs> that was one more than usual. 
I think that was everything. Anyway, let me just go through all my. I'm notes. never sure because I want to make sure that you have as much time as you need to <laughs> take care of the news. To laugh. <laughs> Right, to laugh and to take, you know, as much time. As well, possible. my first story was six pages long, so. Okay. Let, me, cool. let me see. I did, yeah. Did that one. Yep. 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 Yep, that's everything. Well, that was enlightening. Well, it always is. Hey, if you need more sin in your life, first place to check is over at the Kiss the Goat Facebook group. She's an admin over there, and her presence is ubiquitous. Love that word. You can also find her on the Twitter feeds at Beach File. Sin is also serving the LGBT community as a correspondent, broadcasting on terrestrial radio somewhere in the baked, arid, blasted lands of the southwestern United States. We are going to take a break. And when we return, we'll be taking a very special birthday look at 1997's The Devil's Advocate. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic, old-school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off. A young attorney has the chance of a lifetime. Milton Chadwick Waters, we want you to come to New York. All expenses, first class, travel and lodging, you and your wife. Oh my he will enter a place of wealth and ambition. We've got 40 partners vested at the moment. In addition to our corporate clients, we're currently representing about 25 foreign countries. He's got you scheduled for 15 minutes, so make the most of it. John Milton. Kevin Lomax. Well, what's that like? One day you're putting them away, next day you're setting them free. It takes a little getting used to. Pays better though, doesn't it? Welcome to Babylon, Ma. Speak of the devil. <laughs> a world of power and seduction. Who's that with the senator? Controlled by one man. I swear he can hear us. Hell, he can smell us. He will make your dreams come true. Want to come upstairs? And... No. He will grant your fondest wish. I'm just warming my hands on your talent. You know what I see? I see the future of this law firm. He knows your greatest fear. Milton is into everything. Arms brokering, chemical weapons, toxic waste, money laundering for the Eastern Bloc. I mean, it goes on and on. I don't like it here, Kevin. And he knows the price of your soul. Let's make a plea. Who are you? Oh, I have so many names. I'm here on the ground with my nose in it since the whole thing began. God likes...
likes to watch. He's an absentee landlord. Keanu Reeves. He's always been there. I know that now. Al Pacino. As God sleeps late. We will win. It's my time now. <laughs> the Devil's Advocate. And we're back on a special birthday episode of Kiss the Goats. And we're taking a look at Taylor Hackford's movie from 1997, The Devil's Advocate. This movie was a huge hit, bringing in over $152 million with a budget of only $57 million. And that big box... <laughs> big box. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> big box office... Was probably due to some serious star power in this movie. I mean, it's got Al Pacino, Charlize Theron, and Keanu Reeves. And there's murder and tits and some supernatural elements. Practically everything I like is in this movie. If it could serve me drinks, I would let it live with me. Were you planning on discussing that with me at any time? It will bring us drinks, X. Drinks. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the movie begins in a Gainesville, Florida courtroom as Keanu is defending a teacher accused of sexually molesting one of his students. One can imagine being a defense attorney is difficult work, but it can't be any more difficult than listening to Keanu Reeves try to keep up a southern accent. Have you ever heard of a game called Special Places? Is this game sexual in nature? Is this game sexual in nature? Especially a Florida accent. Now, let's be honest. This is something that's going to be more problematic to you and me because we're from the South. And we understand the accents and the dialects. You know what? Don't don't even try. Just don't. <laughs> Keanu is from fucking Hawaii, for Christ's sake. You don't see me dancing around in a grass skirt slinging poi and spam at the tourists. I would like to. I would take <laughs> pictures of that for my private collection. <laughs> Meanwhile, the girl on the stand. Who was played by Heather Matarazzo, whom horror fans will know as the Elizabeth Bathory girl from Hostel 2. Mm -hmm. And she is describing how she was given the bad touch. Now, Keanu looks down and sees the defendant acting out the hand motions the girl is describing. He's rubbing his fing fingers together and reliving the entire act. Gross. Yeah. So Keanu calls for a recess. This guy is obviously guilty, and if Keanu gets him out of the charges, that is a terrible thing to live with. But Keanu's never lost a case, and he's not about to start now. So he refines his defense, goes back out there, and just starts to shred the witness under cross-examination. He pulls out drawings. She's made of the teacher calling him a hog beast and stuff like that. And he makes it sound like the girl was angry because the teacher called her out on her misbehavior and concocted this whole sex thing just to get back at him. And fuck-a-doodle-doo, it works. The jury finds him not guilty. He has won a case that nobody thought he could win. It's gross. And now there's a child molester free to wander the humid streets of Gainesville, but, you know, a dirty win is still a win. So after the trial, Keanu is approached by a representative from a fancy-dancy New York law firm. 
Apparently, he's attracted their attention, and they invite him and his wife to New York for a week so that Kevin can assist the firm on choosing a jury. It's a test, of course. He knows he's being scouted, so he's all hot to go. Now, his wife, played by Charlize Theron, is excited because it's all expenses paid, and she wants to see the big city. Now, Charlize is cute, cute in this part of the movie. She's got long, blonde, curly hair, and she certainly looks like a 90s Florida girl. Amazingly, her southern accent is better than Keanu's, and she's from fucking South Africa. Okay, I gotta go. <laughs> Look, Jeannie, I gotta make a plane, okay? Just get yourself on schedule. Okay, make the payment. <laughs> Whoosh! Off they go from Gainesville to New York City. New York City! Keanu gives his advice as to whom he would remove from the jury for the big trial. Now, when that jury finds the defendant not guilty, giving the law firm a big win, Keanu is offered a full-time job. And it's big money. A beautiful apartment and a New York City high-rise. Keanu meets his boss, played by Al Pacino. We don't usually deal with character names on this show, especially in a movie like this with so many popular actors. But Pacino's character is named John Milton. As in, you know, the guy who wrote Paradise Lost. Keanu's mother is churchy. She's devoted to her little congregation. She dresses like a denim skirt model. And she doesn't want her little boy to move off to the big city. So many temptations, so many ways to sin, so many ways to have a really good time. (laughs) As Keanu is settling into his job, Charlize is dealing with not having a job for the first time since she was 13. She's stuck hanging out in the apartment with other lonely lawyer wives trying to figure out how to decorate it. The other wives encourage her just to take her marriage to a new level. You know, the level where you don't give a fuck about your marriage and just spend your husband's money. But Charlize is a good Southern girl. So even if it is South Africa, that's fine. Um, but she doesn't want a fake relationship. She's lonely. She wants a family. That biological clock is ticking away. And the only thing to stop that fever is a hysterectomy. One of the two things that can stop that fever is... Early onset menopause? A, a baby! She wants a baby. A hysterectomy is much easier. Uh, I can't make that call. <laughs> well, Keanu and Charlize go to a party that's being thrown by a member of the law firm. And Charlize just asks for one thing. <sighs> Promise me you won't leave me alone in there. Promise. Of course, it's a business party, so Keanu gets swept up by a powerful businessman, all looking to put a good defense lawyer on retainer, leaving Charlize alone with all the crazy lawyer wives. That is, until she is captured by Al Pacino. Well, not literally. Not like captured and stuck into a basement and chained to the wall and her toes nibbled on by ferrets. Ferrets? They actually just sit down on a couch and have a nice conversation. Where, you know, he tries to seduce her. He starts playing with her hair and talking about her neck and shoulders. And he tells her to pull her hair back, which she does. After which he tells her, You've got to cut your hair. Are you serious? A woman's shoulders are the front lines of a mystique. Now when the party's over, she is one pissed hombre. Keanu left her alone, just like he promised he wouldn't. Well... 
people should keep their promises. So hmm. you can't blame her for stomping into the bedroom and slamming the door. Now, the next day, she's a bit more willing to listen to other people, like the crazy lawyer wives and Al Pacino. Charlize gets her hair cut and dyed, and it's, well, it's okay. It's not a horrible haircut like Mia Farrow's and Rosemary's baby. Well, no, it's not horrible, but I really liked her blonde curly hair better. Does Keanu even mention the haircut? Because I think he likes curly hair. I think he likes curly red hair because there's a woman in the office named Christabel, played by Connie Nielsen, and she's got really pretty curly red hair. And Keanu is paying a lot more attention to her than he is his wife. Krista Bang. You gotta feel sad for Charlize, though. Krista. Krista Bang. <laughs> All right. He's <Krista>. <laughs> down, Cornholio. Krista. <laughs> <laughs> well, meanwhile, Charlize is freaking the fuck out. Even when Keanu's church loving mama shows up for a visit, it's tense and awful. That poor girl just isn't cut out for the big city and the lifestyle that it brings. We get a pretty good idea of this when Charlize starts denying her latent lesbianism and having hallucinations. I'm not sure I would call it that. Well, the lawyer wives, and this, I know it sounds like a reality show. Oh, the crazy lawyer wives of New York. New York City! Uh, they're in a dressing room trying on clothes, and they're talking about their boob jobs. And one of them asks Charlize, hey, do you think my boobs are real or fake? And she's like, I don't know. I don't really want to see your tits, <laughs> which makes me doubt that she's a Florida girl after all. But what do I know? <laughs> well, then the woman is like, touch them. See if you can tell. And Charlize is like, ew, not a titty toucher. <laughs> but when the other woman's skin starts to ripple and fan, Charlize can see faces and teeth and hands moving around under the woman's flesh. Even inside her titties. And, of course, Charlize freaks out and leaves. So she's going crazy. Her marriage is failing. Her friends have other people living inside of them. <laughs> and her womb has been offered no seed and has therefore brought forth no fruit. She seems too young for a midlife crisis. <laughs> oh, honey. No one's too young for a midlife crisis. I had my first one when I was seven. <laughs> what happened? I got a blonde babysitter and a new red Hot Wheels sports car. <laughs> well, Keanu picks up a new high-profile case. Coach has been accused of killing his wife, her stepchild, and a maid. Jesus. That's right. Craig T. Nelson might be a murderer. My God, what would Dauber say? Well, Coach is a nasty SOB in this movie. I think even Dauber would say put him away, because... The guy's a billionaire, and the case has the media's full attention. Now, remember, Keanu has never lost a case. So he stays at the office a lot, which puts him in a lot of direct contact with Christabel. Hot, nasty, redhead Christabel. <laughs> <laughs> Christabel. <laughs> he, begins, he begins to have some impure thoughts about Christabang that make him want to stay at work even more. So this is the shitty part. Keanu is so busy with this case that at one point, Pacino actually tells him to go home and take care of his wife. But Keanu says no. He says he's afraid if he takes that time away from work, he'll lose the case, and then he'll resent Charlize. So he's a piece of shit. <laughs> and Charlize is totally out of her element. No friends except the fucking Heathers of the law firm, and she's slowly going crazy. Now, I know this kind of shit happens in real life, 
And it's especially worse in this movie because of the kind of movie it is. But Keanu's not just at the office. He's also hanging out with Pacino, and they're hitting the town. One night they go to a boxing match. They meet Don King. They pick up chicks and go out drinking. They're having a great old time. Meanwhile, Charlize is withdrawing more and more into her own little weird world. And one night when Keanu is home for just a few minutes, she's crawling all over him, begging for attention. And he's like, fine, Jesus, let's make a baby. And he nails her in the hallway. Well, it's not entirely her. I mean, it is, but he keeps having visions of Christabel while he's banging his wife. And they seem real to the point where he's confused a little. He's not sure who he's sticking his dick into, but he's going to keep sticking it. Shirley's isn't feeling it, though. She knows he's distant, and it's no fun to fuck someone who's thinking about someone else, so she up and quits on him. It's understandable that she bails, because she still has a little pride, apparently. But the side effect of that is when you bail on someone like that, right in the middle of happenings, it only makes them want to take that frustration out on someone else. Right. So Charlize is home alone, and she hears a baby. Not too far off the beam. Somebody wants a baby. She starts hearing babies. It's the law of attention. Except that she also sees this baby, and there should not be a baby in the house. Well, to clarify, the baby's about 10 months old. Baby, how'd you get here? Are you okay? Where's your mommy? You ain't got no mommy? What you got there? What are you playing with? Huh? What are you playing with? And it's playing with a set of ovaries. Charlize looks down, and there's blood all over her gown. So off she goes to the hospital, and the doctors tell her she's infertile. Never going to have that baby. Keanu figures, well, shit, there's one more thing off the list. Don't have to worry about <laughs> worry about that anymore. Uh, Charlize begs him to take her back to Gainesville, but Keanu's quite happy in the city. Thank you very much. New York City! And there's a subplot here. It's little, so we'll deal with it pretty quickly. Jeffrey Jones works for the law firm, and he finds Keanu's name on the charter, like he's always been a partner. He's always been at the hotel. He's always <laughs> been the caretaker. So he confronts Keanu with this info, and of course, Keanu knows nothing about this and basically calls him crazy. So the next time Jeffrey Jones goes jogging, he imagines he's being chased by demon joggers. They kind of keep phasing in and out of visibility and it freaks him out so badly he runs off the path off the path is where he meets a couple of homeless guys who beat him to death with rock sticks and this happens in front of keanu's apartment building while his wife is staring out the window seeing the whole thing that's it there you go i mean if you're familiar with uh tommy the who the whole Eddie Barzoon, Jeffrey Jones thing is the equivalent of Sally Simpson. Just a strange, little, quickly resolved side story. Well, there is that thing about the Weaver Commission. Mm -hmm. All in good time, love. Let's stick with the fun stuff. Okay. Keanu finds himself in familiar territory while putting together Coach's defense. See, Coach signed a prenuptial. If he cheated on his wife, then she would get everything. 
She's dead, of course, and Coach says he was with his mistress at the time that the murders happened. Do prenups still hold if one side of the nuppers is dead? <laughs> nuppers? Well, yeah. You can't be nupped to a dead person, so that makes the prenup a post-nup. <laughs> you just referred to married people as nuppers. <laughs> I sure did that thing. <laughs> just stop. Anyway, this woman who was supposed to be Coach's mistress for six years, can't answer a simple question. She doesn't know if Coach is circumcised. And you can't be fucking a guy for six years and not have any idea what his wang looks like. So she's lying. And Keanu realizes he's in the same position that he was with the child molestation case back in Gainesville. The guy he's defending is a guilty son of a bitch. So he goes to Pacino with his concerns, and Pacino says he will back whatever Keanu decides to do. Now, we got a pretty good idea about how Keanu is with moral quandaries by this time, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Coach gets off scot-free. Again, it's a hard call. His job is to defend his client, but his client killed three people, including a child. And a maid. And those are really hard to come by. Right? I mean, is there enough money in the world to help you sleep at night knowing you've helped that guy walk the streets? It gets worse. Charlize is getting crazier and crazier. Keanu finds her in a church wrapped up in a pink blanket and her eyes are all hollow. And she's got that weird faraway voice, you know? And she tells Keanu that while he was in court... What happened? You okay? He let himself in. You need to know that. Who let himself in? The bath was running or something. I didn't hear him, I swear to you. And then we talked. And we talked for hours. And I haven't talked to anyone, really talked to anyone in so long. Did somebody hurt you? He, he fucked me. I think I wanted him to, but, but then I just, I don't know, I just, I couldn't stop him. He begged, he just wouldn't stop. When? Baby, when? Today. The whole afternoon. The whole afternoon. Today, today he was in court. He was in court in my presence all afternoon. No. Yes. 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 No. Oh God, no, Kevin. Kevin, I'm not crazy. You have to believe me. Now, there are two ways to look at this. Charlize drops the blanket. And she's got dozens of scratches and cuts all over her naked body. She has gotten to the point of self-injury. And it's terrible to see someone reach that point of self-destruction and degradation. On the other hand, Charlize, they're on full frontal. 
Regardless, a famous lawyer can't have his wife standing naked in a cathedral screaming about how his boss raped her. <laughs> so Keanu does the right thing and puts Charlize in the hospital. Now we can talk about the Weaver Commission. Ah. Ah. Weaver is a United States attorney who has been investigating the law firm, specifically Al Pacino. The firm is into illegal weapons, drugs, miniature golf courses, solar energy, all kinds of odd investments that a law firm perhaps should not be involved with. Now, this Weaver guy also tells Keanu that the teacher he got acquitted for child molestation was picked up and arrested again. This time, though, he had the body of a dead 10-year-old girl in his trunk. Mm. So then after all these revelations, Weaver is hit by a car, run down in the middle of the street, breaks the windshield, does a couple of midair flips, pretty much cacked before he hits the blacktop. So Keanu is on a roller coaster of emotions, and it's not even close to being done yet. His mother, who is visiting from Gainesville conveniently while all this is on, has a story to tell her youngin. You see, when she was just a teenager, she visited New York City. Didn't know anybody. She ran into a nice waiter at the restaurant. He knew scripture backwards and forwards. So she ended up in bed with that guy. And that guy was Al Pacino. Al Pacino is Keanu's father. But wait, there's more. Uh, Keanu and his case manager go to visit Charlize in the hospital. But Charlize thinks the case manager is a demon and tries to kill her. So they're separated by attendants. And Charlize runs into her room and locks herself in. Keanu chases her, tries to go in and see her by smashing the reinforced glass in the door. It's a passionate plan, but it's not a smart one. Charlize picks up a piece of the glass and slices her own throat with it. Oh, bad day all around for Keanu. And it's about to get worse. A lot happens in this third act, so hang on tight, kids. Okay. Keanu confronts Pacino in his office. Now, there's some monologuing, and there's some logic jumping, and Keanu figures out that not only is Pacino his dad, he is also the devil. What are you? Oh! I have so many names. See? Call me dad. Pacino also drops the bomb that the hot, nasty, redhead Christabel is also Keanu's half-sister. And this is where the movie falls apart. And it does so in such a glorious fashion, it may as well have exploded like a pinata filled with shit. We were so good up to this point. I was buying it. I was happy. So much for it serving us drinks. Right? Here's precisely where this movie about hell goes straight to hell. (laughs) Pacino reveals that his grand plan is to have Keanu Reeves and Christabel have half-incestuous sex and spawn a baby that would be the Antichrist. Now, regular listeners to the show understand why this is such a kick to the cock. We've learned a lot about devil babies over the past year, and this shit is totally incorrect. The devil wants his two babies to get together and have another baby, which will be the Antichrist. (laughs) 
Now, according to any conventional devil movie logic, if you if you can call it logic, both Keanu and Christabel would be the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Antichristesses. Uh, now, unless there's some kind of matter, antimatter thing going on here, like where if one Antichrist touches another Antichrist, they cancel each other out. Um, but there's not. Because if that were the case, they couldn't have sex to make the Antichrist. Or in this case, the Antichrist once removed. I think the Antichrist once removed is more like the Anti-Joseph. And honestly, that (laughs) doesn't count for shit. However, we do get full frontal from Connie Nielsen as Christabel. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. She strips and lies down on a stone altar. Hell, Pacino helps her get situated. So again, Keanu has a choice. Bang his half-sister and father the anti-something or other, or, um, don't. Now, mind you, he's been lusting after this chick the entire movie. His wife is dead, and he's already proven that he is a gigantic piece of shit human being. So what does Keanu do? He shoots himself! Okay, okay. Then a couple of things happen in rapid succession. First thing, Pacino gets furious, and he screams, and he blasts his... Uh, apartment? Office? Where the fuck are we? I think it's his office. <clears throat> anyway, when he gets mad, fire razors through the place, and it sets Christabel on fire and instantly desiccates her. She's like Christabummy now. Right, and when he realizes his half-son is dead and his half-daughter is dead because of his own actions, he turns into an angel. An angel with Keanu's face. Why? What the fuck is going on here? And then, boom, we are back in motherfucking Gainesville. And Keanu is still on recess at the trial of the child molester. He's not dead. He's traveled back in time. Or he's been given another chance by God. And if that's the case, it's the first time that he has shown up in this movie at all. (laughs) Nice cameo, God. Nice cameo. So this time around, Keanu decides to recuse himself from the case. It's a moral victory, and it's one that will likely get him disbarred. But as he and Charlize, who is also magically still alive and has her cute blonde curly hair back, uh, they leave the courthouse. They are accosted by this reporter who wants to do a story on Keanu and his brave decision to leave the case. And at first he declines, but... Changes his mind pretty quick. He relents and tells the reporter to call him in the morning. And the reporter actually turns out to be Devil Daddy Al Pacino, who laughs because he got Keanu again, preying on his vanity and lust for fame. Har, 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 what fools these mortals be. Vanity. Definitely my favorite sin. Yeah, that's it for that. Um, so now you know what happens. And when we come back, we'll break the devil's advocate down like a fryer chicken. Back in a minute. Hey, Cherish. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's the 40s and some bitches, baby. Yeah. Me? I like beer. If you like all that and none of those artsy fartsy films. Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival? Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how. 
as raunchy as we can. <laughs> What's this movie PG for? Oh, yeah. This podcast is fucking... Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. <laughs> you don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. <laughs> fucking curb stomp a baby for a baby <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that, come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat, and once again, it's time to play the world's favorite game of film criticism on the half shell. Three questions! Three questions! Question number one. Is The Devil's Advocate truly a devil movie? Yes. It is a devilly devil movie. (laughs) It is very devilly. It is. There are many devilish things involved, and there's a devil, and you see him, and he's there. So, yeah, it kind of... It kind of is a devil movie, which, you know, and that's still a fair question because there are devil movies that have, you know, the devil in the title and you still never see the fucker. But, yeah, we've watched yeah, many of them. But, indeed, um, but Devil's Advocate's not one of those. Yeah, and it's he's a pretty delightful devil, too. I really liked Al Pacino as Satan. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> question number two on a scale of one to six. How many horns high do you give the devil's advocate? God, we were going so good there. We were going so good until that fucking third act. <laughs> um, I'm still going to give it four. Yeah? I'm going to give it four because of the strength of the acting and because of how much fun I was having before that third act. But really, even even rating at four horns, be warned, this movie is a ruined orgasm. <laughs> Yeah, man, this was like, you know how sometimes you suffer through shitty scripts and shitty plots waiting for the payout at the end of the movie? And sometimes you get it, and you're like, yes, it was worth the whole thing. This was like that in reverse. It was like really good foreplay and then a bad screw at the end. So, for whatever that's worth, I'm with you. I'll give it four also. All right. Finally, why should our listeners watch The Devil's Advocate, or should they? Yes. Watch it for Al Pacino as the devil. Watch it for that hot Christabel chick. And watch it for Charlize Theron, because she's just so fucking cute. Do not watch it on, like, network television. No. Because I'm you sure they're going to cut all the really cool shit that we liked. Gone. Just fucking done. <laughs> uh, fucking get that shit off Amazon. Rent it. Whatever you need to do to get the full devil's advocate experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you're not going to get full frontal on TNT. That's all there is to it. No, it's like getting head without the tongue. It's just forget about it. <laughs> 
All right, I couldn't even get your birthday month, and I was, of course, right next to you as you watched this film, and I saw the look on your face during that third act. I'd like to give you some extra time to voice your disappointment with this movie if you want it. (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. Really, I really, really dug it up until the end. And then I was just befuddled. I think I actually screamed at the television screen. <laughs> oh, you definitely screamed at the television screen. I remember that. <laughs> I yeah. think it was something like, what the fuck just happened? It was like howls of anguish. It was like a coyote <laughs> who couldn't see the moon. It was just horrible. <clears throat> you know, we were tore up from the floor up, and we watched The Devil's Advocate. And we're not saying you should be, too, but... You probably should be, too. So if you need some help with that, uh, you're in the right place, because it's now time to play the world's favorite drinking game, Drinking with the Devil, where your love of bad movies meets your disdain for your own liver. (laughs) That's right, kids. Here it goes. Drink whenever Keanu's mom scowls. (laughs) Drink whenever Keanu loses his accent. (laughs) Drink whenever you get to see titties. Hell yeah! (laughs) Drink every time Charlize Theron frets. (laughs) And finally, our Grandmaster Challenge. Drink whenever Pacino acts devilish. Oh, for fuck's sake, really? (laughs) That's the challenge? Okay. It is the Grandmaster Challenge. Jesus, just get a straw. Um... (laughs) As always, please do be advised that we here at Kiss the Goat do not believe in or condone alcohol abuse or underage drinking. However, they've, they've always, always worked, worked for, us. for us. Oh, look what time it is. Could it be? What well, sure is. It's time for the world's favorite game of never too much information. Ask the Goat, where we answer your questions and you question our answers. I'll send you a love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker. You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker. You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever. As my faithful assistant rummages through our malevolent mailbag. Rummage, rummage, rummage. Let me remind you that the best place to submit your question for Ask the Goat is our Facebook group page. Just do a Facebook search on Facebook for Kiss the Goat. And after a brief Facebook hazing, you'll be able to see in the Facebook group when we put the call out for questions on Facebook. Leave them in the thread and we'll gather them up. And then a segment like this happens. How's that for a piece of fried gold? Yeah, boy. Who draws first blood? this time around cootie bug (laughs) it's our own news correspondent sin fallon she asks is this the only clothing optional podcast on the interwebs (laughs) i i'm pretty sure any podcast is clothing optional if you want it to be that's what i was thinking too no well i take my clothes off during duncan's podcasts all the time well honey we all do that Uh, that's probably true (laughs) okay so yeah we we don't we can't answer that question Fully, but by all means, this is a clothing optional podcast, so, you know. Hell yeah. Strip that shit off. Sin also wants to know what the devil thinks of Cthulhu. I'm sure they're best buddies. You gotta think it's kind of like, what does new kids on the block think of the Backstreet Boys? Yeah, they have drinks together on Saturday nights. Yeah, you know, they talk about who is just an asshole behind the scenes, stuff like that, so I'm pretty (laughs) sure they hang out. Here's a question. 
Why is Sin still asking us questions? Shouldn't the acolytes be asking her questions by by now? I mean, she is on the team after all. <laughs> Game on. Anyway, moving on. Mark Ball wants to know, do you think black metal bands are just sad that the Christian rock bands get all the good record deals and groupies? <laughs> do they? Yeah, they do. This is actually true. Um, I think that's part of it. But I also think that the Christian rock bands are sad that they're not getting as good of a record deal or as many groupies as country bands. Because mm. really, if we're doing kind of like you know, the, the downward spiral, it kind of goes country, Christian metal, black metal. The black metal guys are just there in the bottom. Like, Hello. <laughs> How many fucking songs do I have to write about the doom that came to Sarnath before I get a goddamn blowjob? Uh, Joe Nance fires in with three questions in a row. The first of which is, why do men have nipples and what makes them less offensive than those of women? Uh, I don't know. Why yeah, do men, men have nipples? Men have nipples because of evolution and it's vestigial from a time when men were women. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think science will back me up on that. <laughs> that sounds as plausible as anything. <laughs> well, next, Joe wants to know, if you were in a horrible accident where you lost your hands, what would you ideally want them to be replaced with other than prosthetic hands? Wow. Um, I, pff, shit. I think on my left hand, I would want a heavy-duty fork, and my right hand would be a dildo. I would want tentacles. Really? Mm-hmm. Do they make prosthetic tentacles? I don't know. So you'd be like Dr. Octopus. Yeah, it would be badass. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly foresee prostate milking in my future. Um <laughs> Finally, Joe has asked, what is best in life? Oh, Joe, you know the answer to this question. Sex. No. No? I mean, yes. <laughs> if, if, if that's, that's certainly part of it as far as I'm concerned. Oh, but it's... Um... Do you want to know what's best in life? Well, let me tell you! So close your enemies! Oh my god, the Joes have lost their minds. Joseph Panaris wants the answer to this. If one walks backwards, it is truly forward. But if one walks forward, it is also truly forward. Then why, when I walk backwards, my apple pie has no apples, but when I walk forward, my apple pie has no pie? But when the crow flies home, as I stand still, my apple pie is really an ice cream cake. The I'm fuck sure are you on about? Fl- <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly not sure I can answer this question until I know 
whether your chewing gum loses its flavor on the bedpost overnight. Um, I, or until we get some decent peyote up in this bitch. I oh, don't no know. Shit, cause I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Oh, but maybe this is maybe this is helpful. Joe Nance comes back and asks, why do the Josephs always get stoned before asking you questions? <sighs> the better question is, why don't we get stoned before answering them? I think it's going to help. I think it's going to help, and I now hereby recommend that. (laughs) Well, all right. Uh, Dave Burke has submitted a question, and it's a matter of rules of order. He says, do you have to watch The Exorcist before a ritual or after? What kind of ritual? An exorcism ritual or just like, you know, a cross quarter? What are we talking about here? Or, you know, (laughs) like brushing your teeth? That's a sort of morning ritual. Super joint ritual? I mean, what are we up after here? I will say if it's an exorcism ritual that you would watch The Exorcist afterwards, um, because really after you've done your own exorcism, that shit's funny. You just get some popcorn, some orange crush, (laughs) sit down, have a good laugh. There you go. All right, Gary Michaels has a question, and I believe this is Gary's first Ask the Goat question, and it is a doozy Cootie Bug, this is directed towards you. Oh, goody. Right? (laughs) So, Cootie, many years ago, I watched over several goats for my landlord, and one thing I observed was that when a female was in heat, the male would pee all over his face, and that drove the lady nuts. She was all, I've got to have it, give it to me now, no matter where we are, no matter who's watching, crazy. So, do you recommend this technique to we humans in our sex life? I don't recommend that to any human in my sex life. I don't know about your thing there, Gary Michaels. Um, I say whatever does it for you, brother. So you don't want me just to no. pee all nah. over my face and Mm-mm. watch it drip down off of my beard, majestic and golden like a beer commercial? No. Nope. Not my thing. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we wind down I'm this. I'm not sad about that. <laughs> clarify i'm okay with that but you know if you were into it i'd fucking give it a shot so there you go (laughs) (laughs) so accommodating my husband Uh. so we're going to wind down this segment with two more questions from chuck knight he says what are some underground bands i.e bands you would never hear on the radio that y'all would suggest checking out Who do we like? That they don't play on the radio. I guess we have to assume that Chuck doesn't have a decent college radio station in his town. Because they play lots of shit here in Knoxville that you don't hear on corporate radio stations. Um, I would highly recommend Failure, whom I've yet to hear on the radio. But, yeah, by all means, listen to Failure immediately. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, we like Meg Myers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meg Myers. That's hot. Um, there's also an awesome kind of like, I guess they're bluegrass, but they're more rocky than bluegrass, um, called Dixie Ghost. Dixie Ghost just kicks my ass. I fucking love those guys. <clears throat> I would like to see them live. That would be a really fun show. That would be a fun show. Uh, let's see who else. Um, dude, go to Bandcamp. Anti-character, half deaf, stolen sheep. Um, 
give those people a try. And if you want to go old school, I bet you've never heard Rasputina on the radio, so go there. Ooh, speaking of hot. Right? Um, finally, Chuck wants to know, what are your thoughts on Clive Barker as an author, then director? I don't read a whole lot of fiction, mostly because I don't like a whole lot of fiction writers. I end up getting bored halfway through books and tossing them. But Clive Barker is one of those authors that I actually read whenever I can get my hands on something of his. I'm in the middle of Cold Heart Canyon right now, and it's titillating. <laughs> Um, yeah. So as a writer, he's fantastic. Um, I, I would never say no to, to something he's written as a director. Um, I'm not sure. What did, what did you tell me that he had directed? He had directed the first Hellraiser. Was that first Hellraiser, um, Nightbreed and Lord of Illusions, which I think are fantastic. So. Yeah, all of which got really seriously fucked with by the studio before release. Yeah. So when you see a Clive Barker film, it's a little bit it's, – it's a little choppy here and there. And it seems like the timeline isn't always incredibly um, accurate. But I think the reason for that is the studio meddling, going in and making cuts. Um, <clears throat> that probably shouldn't have fucking been made. So – I still see potential in him as a director because we've never really gotten to see a whole thing. You know, I mean, we've seen the cabal cut of Nightbreed, which is an extra 20, 30 minutes. And even that still felt like there was something lacking, like they couldn't find all the footage. So I don't think we've really seen a Clive Barker film yet. Mm. I think there's a lot more there that. Hopefully, will come out now that the eighties are are finished. And <laughs> the eighties are long fucking finished. Well, it's about time, Clive. Come on, step up the plate. Exactly, get this shit moving. Right. <laughs> you know what? I noticed two really interesting things about tonight's Ask the Goat segment. One of them was no questions from Duncan McLeish, and no questions about professional wrestling. Oh, that is weird. I mean, your answer to the wrestling question last episode was very thorough and very well thought out. I wouldn't know why anybody wouldn't want to go through that again. Yes, it's fair cop. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, kids, do your high priestess a big favor and leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes, won't you? We have a reputation to uphold, after all. No idea what kind of reputation it is, but we do have one. So leave us a review and let the whole world know you're a goat lover or at least a goat kisser. With or without the piss on the face. Hey, you can also visit our website, kissthegoat at weebly.com, which is where we keep some goatish things, old episodes, and our online store where you can buy all the fashionable goat apparel. But seriously, folks, buy some stuff from us because all proceeds go to us and it goes towards equipment upgrades and booze. So there you go. Can't be bad. Can't be bad. Also, thanks again to Bo at Legion Podcasts for adopting us and giving us so much help in the process. We really like it here. And thank you, listeners, for allowing us to dirty up your clean little minds with our bad language and terrible ideas. You like it. You know you do. (laughs) 
And what do you know? The circle is open. You have our blessings. Go and send some more. Until next time, my name is X. And I'm Cootie. Hail, Hail Satan. Satan. Please don't put that in the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to start the outtakes with you saying, please don't put this <laughs> It's our own news correspondent, Sin Fallon, and she asks, is the, is this the, bleh? <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm drawing a blank. You remembered this when you were drunk. Of course I did. I think it's to crush our enemies, to see them bow down before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. <laughs> Something like that. My, my Schwarzenegger voice is horrible. I know sound like Stallone. It's off. <laughs> lamentation of the women. <laughs> With the smell like a jungle cat. Uh, Find a sound clip. <laughs> exactly. Oh, just just even thinking about it just then just makes me mad. <laughs> I'm all for the appropriate use of lube, but goddammit, if I can't get y'all moist at this point, I don't know why we're even having this show. We're a long way from John Wick and Imperior... <laughs> Imperator. Imperator Fur- Furiosa? Yeah. I did that better when I was drunk. I know, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Emperor, Emperor, I can't say that. (laughs) Imperator Furiosa. Who the fuck is Imperator Furiosa? Honey, that was the chick from Mad Max. I don't remember Imperator Furiosa. Oh, well, that was her her name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really was. I would not just like fuck with you on that. Although that would be funny. Mix it with. Her name has eight Q's in it. They didn't call her Imperator in the movie. Five, four, three. And it's still going on. And of course, Kiss the Goat is part of that celebration. It was X's bright idea to ask our listeners to choose two movies for we for we we the wa. Mm-hmm. What are we gonna do with this Todd salad and scrambled <laughs> eggs? God damn it! <laughs> it's the morning zoo with Sin X and Cutie. <laughs> <laughs> Butt rock. Uh. There you go. <laughs> you got the sport. Well done. Well done. <laughs> 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 yeah, the snort and, and the flare. The flare. <laughs> well, <done>. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> Pull your mic back just a little bit. There we go. Do I need to give you some sibilance? 
No, just hearing you say sibilance right there was all the sibilance that was required. That was an acceptable session of sibilance. That was enough sibilance? That was, yes. Satisfactory sibilance? Satisfactory sibilance. Very good. All right, great. Goodness. All right. So the movie begins in a Gainesville, Florida courtroom. Let me try that again. That was dumb. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, it begins in a Gainesville. Which it does. <laughs> Fuck it. What did you do? Did you I kill don't know. it? Five. Four. Three. Hey, whoosh! Off they go from Gainesville to New York City. Keanu gives his advice as to whom he would remove. Shit, fuck. Okay. I'll probably just fucking replace this with something else. 